KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful dialogue, a podcast brought to you by Gunawage Collective Impact. The goal of this podcast is to open up a safe space for community members to have conversations about current social issues, both inter-community and global issues, culture and heritage, and language. This space encourages respectful expression of different opinions and perspectives. The opinions and perspectives expressed belong to the guests of the show and do not represent the views of Gunawage Collective Impact or KSES Gunawage. This episode's discussion contains sensitive subject matter. Please listen with discretion. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Welcome back to KCI Kindled, creating space for a meaningful conversation. My name is Karina Peterson. I work at uh, Gunawagi Collective Impact, and this series that we are doing right now is a collaboration with KSES Gunawage, and the topic is on men's health. We are going to be recording episode three today, our third episode, and the topic of conversation is healthy relationships. Um, so I'm just going to go around the table that we're at right now and have everyone introduce yourself and just say whatever it is you want to say about yourselves, and we will go counterclockwise. So we're going to start with you, sir. Hi, my name is Cody Martin. I'm a addictions and mental health counselor for KSCS. My name is David Martel. I'm one of the psychologists at uh, KSCS and clinical supervisor for psychological services. My name is Noah Hermes. I'm also one of the ARS workers on the addiction team. And I'm Brent. I'm the other psychologist who works at <laughs> KSCS. <laughs> Okay, but uh, like we are all here today to lend our perspectives and to talk and to have a conversation and discussion about all these ideas that we have on this paper about healthy relationships and men's health and everything else. But I just kind of want to be uh, make it clear to the listeners out there is that everyone is here uh, like they're kind of putting their hats on the side and everyone is just showing up as themselves today to add to this conversation. Uh, and as for myself. I'm a woman in this conversation, and as always, I'm I'm more than grateful and thankful to for the gentleman to have me sit in on the on the conversation as well. And I hope that my presence here doesn't hold anyone back from saying what they need to say. So thank you for having me on your show, because that's what this is. Uh, okay, so last week's topics we were talking about vulnerability, which ended up being a pretty heavy heavy loaded conversation and I kind of feel it's still gonna come up today in this as well because when we're talking about relationships there's always a certain level of vulnerability that goes along with it and we also talked about a whole bunch of other things on episode two which we also recorded last week so we're just giving ourselves away here (laughs) (laughs) time is of no issue there's different topics different episodes but we're gonna get the ball rolling I'm gonna pose a question it might be a little loaded, loaded question, maybe a little hard to answer, but I just want to throw it out there. What is, what does a healthy relationship look like to you? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said before, you know, um, I'm not no ideal candidate for uh, this type of conversation around healthy relationship, just because of my own character flaws and, and everything else, you know, through the tra- traumatic experiences and, you know, oftentimes utilizing our reactive child in relationships. So um, 
healthy relationship. It goes as far as back as, you know, creation. Aside from that, we haven't really had proper examples of healthy relationships when we look at that lens from a cultural or First Nations and however you want to identify um, that, dating back as far as the Dominion of Canada, you know, through those types of relationships. So when we talk about healthy relationships, we automatically assume what our partners and, and our nuclear homes, but for for Indigenous people or Ongwehungwe people across Turtle Island, it's very hard to comprehend a healthy relationship due to the uh, intergenerational impacts of colonization, the intergenerational transmission in nuclear homes, and which is kind of unique to the Haudenosaunee people, especially where we don't look at that larger picture of clans as family. We always assume what's in our house or one roof or that type of that type of setting, right? So throughout that timeline, there hasn't been a proper demonstration or example of healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's it, it's interesting how all that unfolds into 2023, where what is a healthy relationship? What's the ideal of of healthy? Because we can look at health and and being healthy. But how do we comprehend those two words in into a home? I think like what you were saying is that we attribute relationships to mostly romantic or like your family. But maybe if we try to define what a relationship is or what types of relationships we could have with the spiritual world, with society, with with everything that exists, with creation. So like Yeah. Going back to like the, the cultural perspective of healthy relationship you know we do the best with the little bit that we have today and why i mentioned that is because ryan mcmahon an ojibwe comedian also does podcasts and he had mentioned that our most powerful and spiritual places where we went to do ceremonies and prayers and fasting and all these things are now malls airports movie theaters or full of concrete and asphalt so there's the disconnect of that healthy relationship kind of setting, setting the standard for a lot of things. And when we look at the, the romanticizing of, of relationship or shacking up, <laughs> there's, no, there's no proper example of how we do that. And it's, it's, it's extremely hard to do that when we try to follow in the footsteps of influencers through social media. Yeah, that's really bad right now. Social media out there is just awful. Pinning men against women and relationships against, uh, it's just awful, awful world out there right now on social media. Yeah. And just to sort of piggyback off what Cody was bringing up, I think seeing yeah relationships beyond just the romantic context. And, you know, that can be your relationship with work. That can be your relationship with your family, with anything in this world. And, you know, if we don't have a model for what it feels like, even in our body to feel that we're safe, that we're in a healthy space, then we can't recognize that in other, other spaces if we've never had that modeled. Like even, you know, speaking with people, it's like, you know, what, is it, what does it look like to be in a partnership? You know, the idea that you have two people where you're able to both be your full independent self, but then also have that risk and vulnerability with each other. Like even friends, you know, your friend should be someone that you can share tough feelings with, that you can have to conversations with, you know, not doesn't have to all be on your romantic partner. And I think that's something that is hard for a lot of people to 
start thinking about. I think even we have this idea that, you know, it's only my girlfriend who I can share all these things with or my wife and that my friends are just, you know, we just we hang out together and that's where that relationship ends. And I think even creating space to bring more vulnerability into our platonic relationships. I'm really appreciating this, this sort of perspective, you know, like Cody, you took it all the way back to creation. And, and for me that there's sort of like a little, like a, ah, oh, like no wonder it's all messed up. You know? <laughs> my own relationships and my own capacity to be in healthy relationships, you know, like there's such a long history of messed up relationship, you know, and it's, things that I've seen, but it's just also in me, you know, it's in the DNA, it's in the conditioning of my makeup. Um, I often speak about relationships as a, as a dance, and you know, how awkward that is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like getting the right steps and all that stuff. And it's like, but, and so here you have like two people or two, two, I don't know if we're not even talking about people, you, you talked about job. No, I like just two entities who are like working at different rhythms. And we're trying to figure that out together, you know? And so there's a lot of awkwardness around that. And there are moments when it's like, ooh, fluid. And there are moments when you like step on the toes. And, and because you sort of brought it back to the perspective and the traumatic histories that we can have with regards to relationship, there is a sense of like healthy relationship being a place where it's okay for it to be messed up. And there still be space, like you're saying, Noah, for, for that for that to be sort of worked out or worked on or however you want to say it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a pretty, pretty good point or, you know, interest, interest and perspective to talk about that because the dancing part, you know, and how I dance is kind of like Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport when he's, <laughs> you know, and does the splits because the reality of how I picture that is, is having one foot in a cultural perspective and another foot in, you know, dominant society telling us how we should live and, and co-create and all this stuff, right? So, but getting into the second part of all that is I started listening to this audible called Us by Terrence, Terrence Red, Reed. Um, and that's what he talks about, like the harmony, disharmony and repair. And it, it really hit home for me because, you know, in beginning stages of relationship, it's all hunky dory and, and love. the honey honeymoon phase <laughs> yeah so then you know things evolve children um marriage whatever it may be then things start to become rocky and and that's the the disharmony part right and because we're so traumatized and experienced so many different traumatic things throughout history that affected us through generations and generations we have a tendency to to walk away because walking away and, and severing ties and, and calling it quits is easier. You know? Or you stay in there and you, you just live in that disharmony for X amount of time because you don't know how to walk away or to even have that conversation. Yeah. And that's where a lot of men, you know, don't quote me or I'm making generalizations here, is that men don't have the capacity to have proper communications when it comes to speaking to their partners or women in general, because nine out of 10 times and, and, and for myself, when I try to talk to women, it's intimidating. Yeah. It comes back to that vulnerability part. That was the first question is about vulnerability with women in the first episode and like why that's such a boundary or why that's such a wall in communication is the vulnerability. 
aspect of it. Yeah, and through my personal experience through through that is because it's easier to put up the walls and barriers and go into survival mode and not communicate because society has taught women or people in general that the information that your partner that you love or share in whatever capacity that you're sharing is ammunition to use to hurt. Oh, so it's being like weaponized. Weaponized, yeah. Oh. So, you know, you start disclosing certain things, then all of a sudden that dis- disharmony stops or starts. Then, he, you know, it's like, well, you said this and you're this and you're this and you're that, right? So then the men just fade away and, and, and they don't know how to, to get out of that hole because of the intimidation, the fear, um, acceptance, rejection, all these things, right? Because again, there's no prime example of a healthy ego or pride. It's, well, I'm going to show you, then you jump out of that, that relationship and you jump into another one without really understanding or sitting in your own feelings for whatever time that you need, right? Mm -hmm. And it just becomes a repetitive cycle where I'm kind of seeing that like, uh, well, especially we can only speak for our community here because like we're, this is where we're from. But I I noticed that in relationships and my own personal relationships, family, friends, romantic, whatever, is that we tend to have an issue with the repair part. So it goes from the hickeys and the honeymoon and all that fun stuff. And then it goes to all that awful toxic stuff and all the disharmony and the arguments and the fighting and the but then we never get past that part there's never repair it's either walk away or stick with it like families are we we witness that in our families here like families don't speak for many 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 years because there's that issue with the repairing part of relationships it's like understanding like what does healthy conflict look like that i mean even for me was in my own relationship history was so like took took a while to really learn of that if a relationship is healthy there's conflict happening because you're vulnerable enough for there to be conflict it's how are we navigating that conflict you know my previous relationships like we would never argue because i would we would never get to that point of being vulnerable enough where there would be arguments i was always the like you know I'll, i'll go along with whatever you want whatever you want like that sort of you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. And it really wasn't even until my my current relationship that I'm in where I learned how to have a healthy argument of listening and sharing really hard feelings in that moment. And it was terrifying. It was so scary because I'm like, how, <laughs> you know, I you're feeling all of these big feelings. And now I'm having to communicate it to you. And we're crying. And it's this whole thing. And um you know, I, I didn't have any modeling for that either. I mean, even as, you know, a guest here from my family, I think like we never, we masked everything with humor. We never talked yeah. about anything that humor. was difficult. It was just, you know, we want it. Let's go. Oh, someone's getting uncomfortable. Let's bring it back down. Let's make a joke and let's move on. So I, I felt like a fish out of water when it came to actually navigating, you know, okay, well, we have to talk about the challenging stuff now. Like, how do I do this? It's interesting. You, you know, we, I don't know if we've used the word here, but the intimate relationships, you know, and, and you talked about the honeymoon phase and it's like, it's like, there's this sense that that's what intimacy is about, you know, or it's about sex, you know, it's about this like good time things, you know, and then like, but if we're getting intimate, 
close, open, vulnerable, then that means we're exposed. And what, when we're exposed, it means everything is going to show. And that means that not just those nice things, but all the other stuff is going to come up. And, and that's good, right? There, there's, there's a need for space for those kinds of things. But then, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the, like, what do I do when, when that's going to, when that's happening and when, when it, when it, when it does eventually happen in an intimate relationship, you know, like a, friendship or whatever, any relationship where there's some, some closeness. And I see that, that for me, one of the things that is conditioned is that there's, there's a lot of shame around those things though. There's a lot of the things that are going to eventually show up that it's like, Oh, I don't want this to show up, especially not in this place where it's with this person that I'm supposed to be having good times with. And, you know, we're supposed to be building something strong together, but it's like, Oh, I don't want them to know about these parts of me that I don't tell anybody about, but it's like, but there's no, there's actually no choice there. Yeah, they're coming out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but there's like a certain level of risk, right? And that's mm. a part of the definition of vulnerability is taking a risk. And like what Cody was saying, you can get hurt by sharing your feelings and by talking and like your partner or your family member or whoever can use that to weaponize it against you. So it's like that's you're talking about all those things about like letting people in and I'm like, Oh God, I'm getting scared <laughs> because it's already, it's a scary thing to, it's a risk. It's a really scary risk. But the question is why are we, well, well, I think that, why, why are people so scared well, of that? Brent had, you know, opened up the, the door of unknowns with shame. A lot of people, especially men carry shame because pride and ego Men don't know how to put that aside and say, look, I need help or ask for help or to disclose any kind of feeling because there's so much expectation and demand put on men where you have to meet the needs of everybody. You got to fulfill everybody else's happiness, the supply and demand, the expectations and deadlines of work and the whole nine yards. If, if you know, if you're in a family, you got to work your nine to five, figure out sports run around for sports, act after school activities. So by the time you get home, it's 8 30, 9 o'clock, you're eating supper. You're exhausted, then your partner expects to have conversation or you show them some emotion or affection. But how do you do that when you're depleted? So when you try to have that conversation about being depleted and you know, for myself anyway, being full of shame and 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 fear and all those other trauma-informed words that you get to learn about through mm -hmm. whatever, right? Is it's frightening. And the safest method and best way for me is to go into survival mode where my reactive child comes to the forefront and says, Well, you're not gonna talk to me like that. You're mm -hmm. not gonna get this get me to do this because you're whatever. And that shame starts to to work then the emotions get the best out of that argument. And it's simpler, it's simpler to slam doors, yell, swear, and punch walls than it is to say, yes, dear, I hear you and I acknowledge that you need me to take out the garbage yesterday. <laughs> but it's kind of hard, I, yeah. it's kind of hard to, to have that conversation when you're already so barricaded in yourself and your partner's putting that extra pressure on you where it's it's just explosive right it's it's yeah. adding, adding more fuel to the fire then all of a sudden it's ah. yeah like I, I 
we're giggling a little bit here because we probably all experienced that either modeling from our parents or something like a husband and wife arguing or partners arguing. We've all seen it happen. And it's just it it's something it's normal for partners to have arguments and things like that. Right. But like what struck me is when you said that it's easier to do that than it is to just um, acknowledge. Yeah. Then she just acknowledge the the feeling. And like as a woman, for me to hear that, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> and that's, it's, a, it's a little bit of awareness for me because because <laughs> it's a it's a learning disability because every man is developed and, and learns at a different rate. So each man, um, like the three men in here, four men, they all have a different comprehension level of understanding those things in communication, where it might take me four days to understand why my partner was yelling at me about the garbage or something I didn't do or forgot to pick up kids or whatever. And dwelling on that past and like learning mindfulness, it comes up and our mind goes either way back into the past or way ahead of us in the future where we can't be grounded in, in the present moment and, and understand all these things because everything is just thrown at us. You know, we're doing, we're doing the Kung Fu of, on emotions <laughs> and on like expectations and everything. So it's, it's, it's tough being a man. Uh, well, I gotta, I'll take responsibility for myself as a woman in some past relationships. I've done the nagging. I've done the, the, the nitpicking and all that kind of stuff. And like where it's coming from from me is like, again, it's why aren't you helping me? But I'm not saying that I'm not acknowledging either that I need help with this and I want you to help me with this. So I'm having com communication issues, too. So my default is to turn into like or turn into that. The, the <laughs> big bonfire, <laughs> the throwing hands. And he already said he was afraid to sit next to me because I was going to hit him. <laughs> I never actually hit anybody, though. But I'm just like, that's my as a woman, that's my default is to jump to that because I'm also lacking communication skills to say what I actually need. Yeah. And with, you know, access to our elder Google and all these different platforms. That <laughs> elder the inner Google that the internet provides us is, is dangerous because we learn words that we don't understand. And today we're in a time where another generalization, don't quote me, is that a lot of female and males tend to use narcissism on, on people. Mm -hmm. And that's a fully loaded weapon. Yep, it is. So if your partner or individuals tend to be acting out or becoming violent or expressing anger and then being called these words, it only adds to the traumatic experience of that individual, right? Because we don't fully understand the story of, of people. Because when we walk through that door in the morning, we don't know what we're going through, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's for both parties. So when you have a toolbox full of generations of trauma, it's, it's difficult to express because, right, we come right back to that vulnerability, like, who do we trust? How do we trust that Defense. process? Yeah. So, David, you have something to add? Yeah, yeah I do. Because I, I mean, I'm, this conversation is like super stimulating. I think one thing that comes out of it too for me is how I think one thing that we all said in different ways is that a healthy relationship is a relationship where it does feel safe to address your feelings, your unmet needs, how things did not go well when they didn't go well. 
Um, we're talking about social media and how there's some good stuff on social media, but there's also a lot of stuff that is not so good. And it's hard to triage those things and differentiate those things. And I think one of the problems that can happen is that it can lead to some uh, idealized uh, um, way of understanding relationships. Um, nobody has an issue with the passionate stage, initial stage of a relationship. We've all said that. Mm -hmm. um, we're idealizing our partners. We're fully in love. We're loaded with hormones. We do not see the problems or sometimes we kind of feel them, but we don't want to see them. Uh, and after a little while, um, and I'd like to think in my own experiences, I think the relationships where these initial uh, moments were the strongest, those planes were unlandable. When you start meeting, quote unquote, real person in front of you, outside of the mutual fantasies that have been projected, but I'd like to, in more like plain words, like who you wanted that person to be and who your partner wants you to be. And if that doesn't align anymore, that can create like a lot of tensions and problems. Mm -hmm. And in all relationships, there are these tensions and problems. Um, I think it's, some people think that relationships, you know, oh, well, if it was to be, if it was to be, it would be easy. It would flow. I don't agree with that. Uh, I don't think anyone <laughs> agrees with that. Yeah. Or, we or, are all in disagreement with that. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree Not to here. disagree. <laughs> Not here. Uh, but there can be that notion, I'm just saying. Um, but it does require work. And I think that healthy relationships are relationships where that work can happen, where it's safe enough for that work to happen. Yeah, where tough conversations can be had, where feelings can be shared without too much fear that that things that you confided, I like what you said earlier, uh, Cody, that because they can become weaponized. But I think that one of the things that we also talked about, repair, mm. all relationships come with uh, um, moments where there are breaches, where your relationship fluctuates. That happens in the relationship we have with our children as well. Like we are not always the best and perfect parents. We have moments where at the end of the day, we've had it. And if there's this, you know, there's this straw that breaks the camel's back and we react. So I think it would be, it would be not, it would not be the best, the, 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 the most skillful attitude with oneself to be like super hard on oneself when these things happen. The most important thing, I believe, is to be able to go back and repair mm -hmm. these moments because they will happen. Of course, you know, it's hopefully just, they don't happen too often, but you, you do what you can do to regulate yourself and be, you know, in the best balance you can be. But but they will happen. So it's more about how do you repair? That's what I was just going to jump in and say is that, like, especially here in this community, we don't see much repair because going all the way back to colonization and everything else and us as First Nations people, that was the first rupture. Well, yeah. Now, how many, how many and times how people much, were deceived, tricked? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, how, is it safe, really? We're <laughs> already, vulnerable. we were all born into this already, into like this toxic relationship between Canada and Indigenous people. We're already born into that. So it's like, uh, where do we learn how to repair it? Like, it, it literally starts from creation, right? Literally. Like what Cody was saying, like that was mind blowing for me, like when he just mentioned that. But like we see our parents and we see, but also like I'm coming from a single parent home with just a mom. So I don't have a model of of a partnership 
and a healthy relationship. Mom was busy having to take care of three kids by herself. So there wasn't much relationship modeling happening there. So it's like, how is that for for men who are single fathers as well? It's like, how do how does all this come into learning how to repair with each other? I think I think that that brings brings back to the the word safe that you use, David, and then safe enough, which I which I prefer. And either either way, both of them are pointing to something that can can be, I think, like misunderstood and especially because of this sense of not having a model right safe or safe enough might mean to somebody when they're hearing this that that means like there's no fear there and it's like well wait a second for me that that doesn't exist right there is always going to be fear there even with the person who i've been with for the last two decades there is still fear there to show things and that's okay right it's like there's this sense, and it, it was it sort of showed up when you were speaking, Cody, just before. It's like, it's like there's this sense of we need to like put the put the these sort of these sort of terms that we use for the masculine sort of gender, like courage, and like place them somewhere else. But the same word, you know, what is it to be courageous in these safe enough places? Like it means, in part, that it's going to be okay for you to be fearful and still move towards the person. And so this is, a, this is about repair, moving towards the other one, even when you're scared. <laughs> um, refraining from saying certain things. <laughs> <laughs> like, just say it. Yeah. Just say even it. Even when you're scared shitless, you know, about that, can you still move forward towards that person? And that's courageous. And that's safe enough. And in part, because you're taking the risk you're allowing yourself to take the risk. And so something in that relationship is allowing you to take a risk to, to, to be afraid and, still, and not shut down, which is this sort of default thing that, you know, you're pointing to. Yeah, that's a good point too, because, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. And, you know, on that point is that at any given time during the day from the moment you wake up or even in your sleep is that these automatic recordings pop up. You know, what did we experience when we were children or what did we see when we were teens? And, you know, how was that relationship with yourself? Do we have a relationship with ourselves? You know, no, we don't because we're always trying to dodge ourselves to meet our partner or children or everybody else's needs where we forget about us. So on that disharmony part and, and just kind of given the middle finger to to repair and walking away calling it quits and whatever that's where it becomes real dangerous for men because in that repair part it's about eliminating or taking care of that reactive child your inner child and eliminating those videos where those are all character flaws it's not something that it defines you as an individual that's just the hurt and pain being reactive to what's coming at us that's why it's intimidating at times to talk to women or have that discussion because sometimes women themselves are so strong and powerful that they don't understand what they're putting out towards their partners. So a lot of men, they just shut down. There is also a lot of violence though, too. Yeah. So emotional violence or even physical violence, and it goes for both parties, men and women. Yeah. And that too, you know, like verbal abuse, it's, it's. Oh, verbal abuse. It's guilty for both parties. And again, that's, you know, character flaws where 
seeking professional help or however you would like to explore that to put it to rest to heal that to part. heal wellness um understanding it like i think even cody what you were just describing of that you know those videos playing that sort of that trigger getting activated you know i think of even for myself like that desire to like set my life on fire and run away like that's for me i was like okay that's how i know like that inner child like something it got a little bruised mm -hmm. you know like he's something hit him yeah and i think even in just taking that step of being able to recognize that and like see that before it gets to the point where you know the hole's getting punched the screaming is happening like even that is so powerful and i think you know i think of the men in my life where so many of them can't even get to that point or don't even know that they can get to that point. You yeah know, there's so much hope in knowing that you know, even if I have, you know, this family where everybody's, you know, nobody's together, everything's all over the place, no one's communicating. It's like we do get to choose who we want to grow towards to be. And like that for me has always been so hopeful. It's like I can hold that truth of, yeah, there's this really, you know, hurt, injured kid in here, but I also I get to help him grow up. Yep. I get to choose like, what's the kind of partner I want to be, even when it's hard, even when there's that voice screaming in my head saying, I want to be right this time, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to be the bigger person. <laughs> I want to be right. And I can take a deep breath and say, OK, no, because this maintaining this and working together on this is more important than like giving the middle finger to my boyfriend. Right. And that's another thing about social media and all this false uh, empowerment and propaganda because a lot of people a lot of people have this this concept or ideal of it's always greener on the other side mm. you know yeah sure social media might make you look like the greatest person and everybody's going to fall in love with you but at the end of the day that person probably has just as much work to do than the person you left <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, it's not david more. just said if not more <laughs> he doesn't have a mic so i just wanted to repeat that <laughs> And that's, and, and that's the process of, of repair is you or individuals going through that kind of need to be the pioneers because that's walking the walk and finally putting an end to the cycle. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, the children pick up on that and we're so big and proud to say, you know, we're always looking out for the faces that are not here and the seven generations and da 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 da. But at the end of the day, what are we doing to eliminate that instead of ponding off another burden to another generation? Because we all come from a generation where it's so deeply impacted through violence, domestic abuse, mm -hmm. all these things. There's not one healthy relationship anywhere in the world that isn't affected by these things. But society has, has shown us that it's, it's easier to part ways, find someone else, start over. And if it gets good, it's good then the videos start to come back then you're just relationship jumping and not looking at yourself or for that time being right eating mm -hmm. humble pie and and being lonely but going back earlier why that's dangerous for men is you know the the acceptance the rejection separation anxiety anxiety separation anxiety the mere fact that you're uprooted from your family or whatever situation you might be in put into a lonely state and that's why the percentage for First Nation, Nguyenhume, Indigenous men, Aboriginal, Indians, whatever you want to identify, have the highest rate of suicide mm -hmm. is relationship issue because of 
that disconnect, that disrepair and, and not having an opportunity to work it out to either getting back together or working it out to have a healthier relationship in general. And that, that feels important to, to underline here. Like when you say relationship, it's like all relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Like there's this sense of like, so it feels like we're, fo- we're, we've been focusing a little bit on like what might be an intimate relationship in the sense of like, you know, uh, one that you know how to, I don't even know how else to qualify it. Cause that's always the word we use, but like, you know, your, your partner, you know, and, and there's a sense of all of these things that we're saying are true for all relationships, parent to child, friend to friend, you know, call, work colleague to work colleague. Like where are the spaces where there can be this kind of intimacy mm-hmm. and if it's only in your intimate relationship i'm sort of doing air quotes then that's it that's dangerous yeah it's dangerous and lead right to what you're talking about like how is it that you can't turn from what might just be a bad relationship a bad intimate relationship and turn to friendships then or turn to parents and it's because the same issue that we've been talking about there's no models for any of those things to be good healthy relationships yeah even in that repairing process like that process of saying like, I'm sorry, I messed up. Here's what I was feeling at the time. Like that does not come naturally. That was not modeled. Like learning that even that's so hard and feels so uncomfortable. And like, I, what's the word I'm even thinking? Like, you know, you feel kind of lame doing it. You're like, this doesn't, I don't feel like I have my crap together. It's Mm -hmm. that it's like that humility that is not, it doesn't feel natural. Mm -hmm. But in doing it, it's like you seeing these relationships transform, but it's so hard to get to that point where you feel like you're ready to do that because it's easier to run. It's easier to yell. It's easier to just go. And, you know, it's it even feels weird to receive that if you've never gotten that before. Right. Someone trying to. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. Like repair something. You're like, what do you do with that? If that hasn't been modeled for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what took me a real long time to in, in my personal experience to to even say I'm sorry. I would just walk out. Ah, the hell with this or mm-hmm. a bunch of other F words. But in our, like, in my travels and learning from different people in the community and across the Confederacy and, and, and everything, from what I'm told and what I'm understanding that there's not really a word for I'm sorry. It's a tendency to make things right, which kind of makes that a little bit more difficult to correct your actions or wrongdoings in a sense because it just becomes a trickle effect that door opened up to several other doors of unknowns and who knows what that might be. Anger, stress, verbal abuse, and all these different things where, where's this coming from? Then we disconnect, we disassociate. We're here physically, but mentally and everything else, we're, we're gone. And then that's what makes the communication part in relationship, no matter if it's in your nuclear home or speaking to the natural world from a cultural cultural sense or perspective, right, where the shame again comes up because we don't have the language or we don't know how or I don't have tobacco or the trees don't like me or whatever it might be that we're trying to ask for help becomes shame and cultural identity. So, you know, a big part of that relationship is is, is coming to light because, you know, the the discovery of residential schools, the Indian day schools and stuff like that. Cultural identity is, is one of the biggest relationship issues across Turtle Island. Those shoulds. I should know this. I should know how to do this. Exactly. Copy and paste to anything. It's like that 
especially as men, it's that idea of like, we should already have this figured out. The very fact that I have to ask this question means that I'm failing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's a heavy one. When I, when I was um, an educator, I worked in a daycare for a number of years. So my, my students were 18 months up to five years old. And I worked with lots of different age groups in between there. But uh, there was one thing that as educators for young, brand new children is that we never forced them to apologize because they don't understand the concepts of apologies. So what are they, what does an 18 month old do when they want a toy? They just take it or they push the kid down or they're hitting their, they don't talk. They don't have communication skills yet. They talk with actions or with whatever. So as educators, we have to kind of figure out what are they trying to say? What are they trying to do? What do they mean? Um, so there's a lot of hitting, a lot of pushing, a lot of stuff like that that goes on. But instead of, you know, flat out trying to force them to apologize, which is applying shame to these children already at that age, like you did something wrong, you need to go say sorry. It's not wrong for that age group because they don't have the tools to get their message across. And that's what they're using. So as an educator, it was my job to say, like, he's hurt now. That's not okay. And offer them a tool. Let's go help them. Or let's help him stand back up. Or let's go find another toy that we could give him instead. Or, you know, just we would literally have to put the words or the actions in place for them to be able to deal with that situation. And in a way, it's like mini repairs all day long that we're doing with these children because they don't have the communication skills. So it is teachable without the shame. It is it is teachable. And that's the same concept. But then what for... happens mm. <laughs> when they leave our, our wonderful little school? What happens? There's, what happens after that? Yeah. And bringing that, <laughs> that same reality into a 35-year-old or... 40-year-old or 50-year-old man from an 18-month-old perspective on what you just described, grown men have that same issue. So where's the, where's the care? You know, you, 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 you telling that story, but you telling that story, it's like, there's, there's this part of me that's like, wow, that's it's beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Like right? there's, here's this beautiful care you know, to be able to do that, to be able to not shame this kid, not get all angry because they're doing this thing and, and provide them with what they need. And <laughs> you're like, they don't have the tools yet. And I'm like, they, they're not going to have the tools for a long time. <laughs> and by the time the tool is probably mature enough, then they don't know how to use it properly. And there's no one there to do what you're talking about. There's no one there to be like, come here, you know, this, this person is hurt now. And, you know, let's, help them to not feel so hurt. No one's doing that anymore because there's no one around. And so there's this sense of like, wow, how do we in the community find that person, that role? You know, where is that understanding? Where is that, where are those people with that kind of understanding that will, that will take the hand of the 50 year old man mm -hmm. and like bring it over and be like, here, what you have to do. It's, it's okay that you're doing this because you just, you don't know better. Yep. I honestly think that everybody needs to go work in a daycare for two years at least <laughs> because I never learned more about people and ever rather than working there because we are getting the raw, honest, perfect versions of what humans are mm. and what they can do. And it's all about like tools and support and how do you foster these people to grow up into who they are. So I think that's the solution. <laughs> Everyone's got to go do two years of volunteering at step by step. 
we're we're looking at the the sheet now. Okay, so we did kind of talk a, a lot about the stuff that's on here. We talked a little bit about all of the types of relationships that we've had. We had talked about traditional roles, relationships, the culture into creation. Um, a big part of uh, Iroquois Ungwehungwe people is that we are a matrilineal society uh, versus other cultures that are more patriarchal. And I just kind of want to bring that into this conversation and how does that affect relationships and healthy relationships from a man's perspective under a matrilineal society? Like, what does that mean? Well, that's like a, a fully loaded gun again because... Yeah, <laughs> I'm good know, at that. <laughs> um, because of Western society or colonization, you know, the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s where gender-specific rules and the concept of feminism and all these things that non-Nguyenhuwe people empower, aside from how men empower women and, and hold them up high and, and regard in that nature as uh, the matrilineal, right? So it gets, it gets difficult because we have one foot in the ship and one foot in the canoe. And at times when we weaponize our words and, and want to hurt people, we take stuff from that ship and we start to use uh, feminism concepts or um, stuff from, from the ship to hurt our men. And the same thing that goes with men. Men do the same thing. It's, it's meninism. <laughs> um, yeah. Manism. Yeah. Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes back to healthy relationship in, in a specific context in, in the community where a lot of people marry out, have children. And sometimes when their partner may or may not have a clan, that becomes an unhealthy relationship, whether it's in your nuclear home or in a communal setting where we hear derogative things like no clan, no plan, or mm -hmm. abusive things like that. And so that comes into the home, then that family starts to clash and fight because of the lack of awareness or education on on that. But that's the, you know, the concepts of the Indian Act and all this colonialism and, and the impacts of it, right, where... It affected a lot of women in, in, in... Yeah, for a long time, they had to leave the reserve, lost their rights. Even still today, it's, it's like that where we have that disconnect because women may have a clan, but they, don't, they disassociate from that cultural practice because of the impacts of multi-generational uh, transmission of Indian day school or blood memory of generations before them, right? Because religion played... Uh, a big part and in, in the Indian Act and, and those concepts kind of reinforce the the clash from historically and, and currently where we still see these battles, right? Mm -hmm. So we still haven't found a healthy relationship yet in, in the last hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> and so. There's there's this sense, I want to come back to that question, you know, there there's this sense that patriarchy has smothered everything, mm. all things. It's been around for so long and it's been so powerful. It's been dominant. And that's, you know, that's, that's, we're talking about dominant masculinity as a corrosive thing. Like, and, and I want to come back to your example, you know, that care that you're speaking about offering to this child, right, is, is something that points to these relational qualities. But there's, there's something about that care, right? And the relational capacity 
or the or the, the just the the capacity to focus in on these relational aspects that patriarchy is sort of is sort of stamps that out and so the 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 solution or a solution is to come back to these qualities these real basic qualities patriarchy is about dominance it's not about being in relationship it's a being over people it's a bit taking control mm -hmm. of things and so anything that is not that anything that is relational is not about dominance it's about meeting you know we're talking about intimacy it's about coming closer together and anything that is that is uh, cultivating those kinds of qualities is pushing patriarchy out because we're on the same team you know it's not just men versus women it's we're responsible for helping each other through our healing and and navigating that and that too is is exactly like brent just brought up it's patriarchy is it puts us in you know it adds to that pressure of like we we're talking about before of men having to provide and know everything and never being able to show this weakness which doesn't even help us in the end it's exhausting so mm -hmm. you know the more we step away from that it's like that's that's where that freedom is yeah david <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i could see this conversation coming back to like how the balance is we need this balance men and women matrilineal well we all just kind of said that patriarchy is bad <laughs> well it's the dominance part right like mm -hmm. the, it's the power there's an equilibrium and we have to come back to a balance like i asked all you gentlemen beforehand if like when we were in the brainstorm meetings like are you comfortable with me doing hosting the show and like cody brought up like yeah because you're going to provide the balance here in the in the studio so mm -hmm. it, it seems to all come back to that i was gonna like get into like how does our matrilineal value within our culture play out in current times but we kind of already all talked about that now and it's uh it's coming back to how do we achieve a balance here yeah and like from like a, a lot of the cultural perspective we've become a people that interpret do literal interprets of 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 the oral tradition or or history of things and it's it's hard to incorporate that because times are different mm -hmm. you know the story will always stay the same the only thing that changes is the storyteller mm -hmm. and sometimes there's at that adaptations or you know more pieces added so it's a continuation of of something so the next person will have some sort of guidance and any of these topics and coming back to that matrilineal and, and current with man and woman and having the balance again we don't have a prime example of of proper balance sure the two might come together or depends what community you identify with however that may be but in male and female relation and the concepts of feminism and all that ideology coming from the ship a lot of women tend to take the control and lead and at that time there's no balance and a lot of men feel belittled and 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 hurt mm -hmm. so sometimes the balance is like that it's or the opposite where men are way up here in in a different spiritual journey or or cultural learning and their partner isn't so there's no balance so it's kind of like playing with your sound on the radio from the 90s right where you Kind of made, had to make <laughs> smiley faces or whatever to get good, good sound. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like picturing the old record player that we used to have. It had like dual cassettes. 
the record player on top and then all those things in the middle that nobody knew what to do with yeah. <laughs> all the balances <laughs> there's so many different avenues to to explore but facebook instagram snapchat tiktok tiktok whatsapp <laughs> so bad has provided us with unlimited resources on what not to be yeah well david was saying too is that there is a lot of really great content out there in the digital world but there's also a lot of really bad content and i kind of feel like our younger people or our younger generations since they're the ones that are more online they're receiving all this good and bad yeah which which is kind of dangerous because it's super dangerous <laughs> if you're looking for motivational quotes and inspirational relationship advice and all these other things that paint or portray a, a wonderful relationship and if you're a 13 14 year old youth and that's not going on in your home that becomes an effect on that person's mental health where everything just opens up right from depression anxieties um fight flight and freeze and, and different mechanics where at a time it was never talked about so when we look at men from my generation or any of these guys' generation mental health is severe mm -hmm. and you know so it it has its pros and cons so I, I think david wants to add a little bit more to the social media part yeah and that and other stuff but like about the social media yeah like for sure like um in terms of um the quality of the messages i think that sometimes there's great teachings there um and there can be notions like we have more vocabulary um i think for example the um contribution from the attachment theory can be very well presented in very in a lot of like posts and mm -hmm. and and social media uh, material but what I tend to be a bit more mm, careful around is uh, the points of views or the conclusions or how it's being interpreted. Mm. Um, I'll give you two examples. One of them is a very common message now, uh, which reads in three words, which are good vibes only. Oh, yeah. Uh, so everything that we refer to that can be referred to as toxic positivity. Um, these words are very, again, loaded, but still. Because, because again, that's a very <laughs> like kind of clumsy attempt at you know stay positive. Or another one that I've seen that that just made me flip uh, was like, you know, the the post was okay until it reached the end. Like basically, it was saying like, yeah, life is hard. You know, it's okay to not feel okay, but. You know, I've decided to smile today at my life. <laughs> and that was the solution. Like, if you, which sends the message, you just have to think about it. Which, you know, when I was doing private practice, some of my clients were like, yeah, people are telling me, like, I have everything. Like, how, how come I'm so unhappy? Uh, it's, it's just a matter of, like, willing to be happy. And I used to tell them, well, if it was that simple, first I would be out of a job. And I would probably run a company flying planes with like these gigantic like posters, like flyers coming out saying like, stop being depressed, <laughs> just, just be happy. Or have you thought about smiling today? <laughs> right? Live, love, laugh. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, and that also uh, can be seen on social media quite a lot, like um cody you were referring to feminism and i think that sometimes this fight because this this fight is still like very very um important um but i think that sometimes it's also in instrumentalized and, yeah. and that's that's a very like i'm not very comfortable talking about that because it's a very sensitive uh it can be a sensitive issue 
But one of the authors I really like, and, and um, you referred to it, uh, Noah, uh, as well earlier, I think that undoing patriarchy, fighting this system, the, the way is relationship, it's inclusion. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy is something that excludes, where, as you mentioned, Brent, like someone, men, are in a position of power to dominate and exploit others. Um, and that is very exclusive. Uh, and if you read my favorite, like uh, feminist author is called Bell Hooks, and she has a book that's called uh, Feminism is for Everybody, mm-hmm. I think something like yeah. that. And it clearly, uh, you can say, like, we need, like Noah said, we need everyone <laughs> to fight this, because otherwise it just turns out into this war between genders. And that I don't think that's the way. Mm-hmm. And like Cody was saying a while ago too, that feminism can also go extreme. It can also like that's what I'm it referring turns to that as toxic, instrumentalized. Yes, yes. Toxic if it turns feminism. Into attacks, yeah, uh, and uh, to specific men. Yeah. I don't have much of a problem if these specific men are actively carrying patriarchy. For example, political figures, parties. Like if, if they embody that and they're actually in a position of power to in like um, put forward policies that further that system, that, okay, can make sense to like lead the fight there. But the fight is, is, is towards a system that you want to undo, um, not against in like specific separated individual individuals that are part of that world in which that system also affects them. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like uh, like some feminist, like the extreme feminists creates that dichotomy, like the gender inequality in the, I'm well, not saying this correctly, but yeah. I think like what the general message is, is that the system has to change to something that is fair to everybody and not necessarily equal because equal is not always fair. So fairness, I think, is the, the, the message that feminism is trying to get across. Uh, and like the matrilineal society that we're from, the idea of fairness and balance is there. So I think a lot of people tend to correlate matriarchy with feminism, like extreme feminism. And it's not necessarily that. It's just it's a way of our society where we act in. There's a bit of a balance there. I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, it's coherent with what I've learned. Um, it's not my place to say more than that around around this topic, but what I've understood is that it was kind of a system of checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Um, clan mothers would appoint chiefs that were, but I don't want to say more about that because I feel it's not mine to say. But maybe like Cody, Cody can say more. Yeah. On. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'll just volunteer. <laughs> Voluntold. Yeah, I threw me that ball. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the concepts are, are completely different in, in that realm compared to modern society, Western society, whatever. And at those times, through through that process of creation and great law and, and the mechanics and mechanisms that were used was balanced to a certain degree that, that we understand through books and oral history, right? So how do we incorporate that within ourselves? How do we put that into practice? How do we cultivate the past or those oral traditions into into our daily practice, our, our, you know, our homes, our families. It's hard because a lot of that work from a cultural perspective, I think anyway, in my opinion, having those types of relation 
with ceremony or society business or or any of that stuff it's hard work just like a regular relationship between husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend is hard work so we have a tendency and i'll use a word that a lot of people are using today as a weapon and a scapegoat that and <laughs> go to the ship and and bring out modalities and, and ideologies from the ship to say well that's too hard i'm going to do what's good for me and me only and that becomes yeah, a trend you do you where we monopolize <laughs> mm. the true understanding of where those things are coming from and what it's meant to be but with you know modern advancements in arm's length reach in, in montreal or chateau or any kind of surrounding community where we could make things easier we're going to go the easier way because we've comprehended and understand that we're sick and tired of doing things the hard way so we're back to punching walls and cursing <laughs> and right? slamming doors no but that leads into substance abuse and alcohol yeah. abuse yeah where i'm just trying to connect it oh, yeah. it's all connecting yeah, yeah. it's all yeah. connecting and you know like your your next two uh topics again that's a big one it's a lot of this information is 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 triggering you know what is sexuality what is gender identity you know those are tough questions to answer i know certain amount of information about the communities and again it, com it comes right back to square one of having a prime prime example of sexuality and i could speak for every man in turtle island without a doubt everyone's first experience with sexuality was adjusting the tinfoil on your rabbit ears on the TV to watch <laughs> Blue Nui. Blue Nui. <laughs> Blue Nui was everybody's yeah. sexual experience. Uh, Channel 35. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which kind of... <laughs> they don't know what it is. Oh, I'm American. <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> you might also be a bit younger. <laughs> it was a, a, an adult show a soft core adult right. show that appeared on public television after a certain hour on a yeah. French station. Yeah. <laughs> and we all had antennas on our roofs with a big rotor that you had to like turn a dial to get your antenna. <laughs> or that's that's res life here. <laughs> like that. We've had that until like 1999. But <laughs> well, that, was my, that was my experience as well. Yeah. We had that gigantic <laughs> antenna. With we didn't have cable running through here like, for a long this time. Big kind of grinding sound it would do when it yeah. would rotate. Yeah, yeah. We're afraid on windy days that that thing's going to come down. But well, that does make me think though, a lot of, I mean, people in my generation and younger, the men, it's porn. Yeah. That is that first experience and how damaging that can be to your idea of healthy sexuality right and how accessible it is now oh my god with the smartphones it's, it's all like, free and everything too yeah, you, you have, just google things yeah. and i mean you have kids who are like nine years old watching hardcore pornography and thinking that that is the model for a healthy loving sexual relationship and you know just i mean the insecurity the shame the the way that you relate to women after seeing that it's or even to yourself absolutely yeah yeah so the and it's it's very it's very uh interesting to recognize that this this product is made within the system that we've been talking about about patriarchy and so perhaps no surprise to us around the table when we're talking about it but perhaps not necessarily known to people like this is a product of us of a system that wants domination 
right? And so these these images that we see in these in these in, in this pornography is just a reflection of that, and it and it just it it's 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 food for that kind of thing to continue on because how influenceable you know are the people who are wa- who are watching basically everyone you know <laughs> to 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 these kinds of images and to and to and to not have other models to then imagine that this is the way that it's supposed to be mm-hmm. i can't think of the word right now but just the, the way that that has a very dire effect on on relationships on on the the sexuality of a relationship where there's where there isn't this uh, there isn't this meeting place and there isn't this equality. You know, it is about, it is about dominating, uh, about performing. And it's not, it's not about actually, you know, being vulnerable uh, and sharing intimacy, intimacy, sharing something that's precious. It's not, it's not about that at all. You're right. Yeah. And that gets into like the conversation around toxic masculinity where Mm. the womenizing and, and conversations and gym locker rooms and whatever about, X, Y, and Z, or how many bag and tag, and all these derogative things where we learned these behaviors through the internet or aunties, uncles. Uh, and that's another one that's. Oh, the res aunties and the res uncles. Which, you know, has become um, sexualized and, yeah. and, and derogative yeah. because aunts and uncles are always held in high regard, mm-hmm. you know. So now so that's a really gross twist on that, that that's turned into like a derogative yeah, thing. Now. What concept is this? I'm unfamiliar with that. Uh, like a res ante. A deadly ante? That's the term. Eh? Yeah. Okay. But ants are, like you said, ants and uncles are held in high regard. There's not even a word for ant in the language. It's Ista, right. which is mom. Right. So it's like to turn that into something. So it's sexualizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also associated with partying and oh. with all kinds of toxic behaviors. So, and the uncle too, the res uncle. Yeah. It's kind of a joke. And like, it, uh, there's a whole bunch of like memes out there the res auntie, the res uncle with the big hoop earrings and whatever. But like, now that I'm thinking about it, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. No. Because you're, so yeah. You're the being... man's a pervert and the woman's like kind of a cougar. A cougar, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. That was so good too. And he doesn't have a microphone. So <laughs> we were just describing, uh, like the res ante and the res uncle and what that, what that is in our terminology. Yeah. So that's really degrading. Yeah. It's really, really degrading. Yeah. And there's like different experiences that are related to sexuality. Uh, we won't get into that because that kind of information and, and those kinds of types of conversations are triggering. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of back away from, from that, but that the, the whole ideal of toxic masculinity is, you know, pride and ego. Mm-hmm. And that goes for both, both parties, right? Male and female, where sometimes a lot of female, another generalization, don't quote me, are hard on men for performance. Genital area being small, medium, or thing. extra large, whatever, where expectations expectations to the fantasies that they've seen on the internet or or whatever so it is is another clash between both parties and then the whole other concept relating to internet and and the platforms around it that are being used and abused in in a way to uh, be disrespectful to us in our sexuality to uh, make monetary gain and it all comes back to patriarchy 
No, it comes power back. and dominance. It comes back to healthy relationships. And healthy relationships. <laughs> Unhealthy right. relationships. Like how, how, I still can't find the word. I don't know why I can't find it. The only word that I'm thinking of is toxic, but that's not the word that I want to, that I want to, that I'm trying to say. It's, it's worse than that. You know, when we're talking about the place where for a lot of people, perhaps especially men, you know, that, that sexual domain is the one place where you get vulnerable. It's the one place where you have, you are allowing access to somebody, to the things that are the most intimate, the most hidden from your, the rest of the people in your life and how toxic or whatever the word is that I'm trying to find, like say <laughs> toxic, toxic times two, you know, to the power of two. How, how toxic is that when in that space you have to bring, you have to bring like performance and you have to bring that critical mind and all of these, all of these ideas that are really self-centered ideas, you know, either centered around the, the partner or centered around yourself, you know, but have nothing to do with being together in that and being supported in this, in this beautiful place, you know, so mm -hmm. how bad is it that the, this one place is, is there's like, there's no, there's no hiding from the, from the patriarchy, like you're saying, Karina, mm -hmm. and even in that space, it's, it's, it's terrible you know, that that's, that that's what it is. But then, you know, you wonder why there's so much frustration in, in this, in this gender when the, when the one place <laughs> where you're supposed to be able to be soft, you can't even be soft there, yep. you know? So you wonder why then where there's all this frustration and anger is built up that you, there's no, there's no place for you to be safe, really. Mm -hmm. Always on guard, right? And in, in like fight mode. And I guess that's kind of, uh, an explanation for like the casual sex thing that we're having right now like that we're experiencing and seeing like there's more casual relationships rather than because now we could separate feeling from sex yeah. supposedly supposedly yeah. <laughs> supposedly but that's what people do right they turn off their feelings to have sexual relations and then they just go out off about their day just a disclaimer, we're not having casual sex in the studio. <laughs> you know, as soon as I said that, I don't know if you caught it, but I changed my wording as soon as I said that to avoid that. <laughs> I love it. It's hot love enough it. in here Just call it, it out. <laughs> call it out. <laughs> I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> I tried to fix it. It didn't mm. work. <laughs> well, you gotta have humor, you know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like it's the disconnection. It's to me, it comes back to like the, the porn thing of this idea that, you know, it's like you it takes sex out of having to get to know someone, having to go through that hard work of intimacy. And you just have this mm -hmm. release on demand and this super way that lights up your brain and is addictive. And then mm -hmm. we start treating sex like that. And then it's, you know, I just think of, you know, men and myself who've, you know, had then sex problems in romantic relationships or have met someone where you're like, I really want to get to know you. I want to have this relationship. I want to have this meaningful sex life and not being sure how to navigate that mm -hmm. because you've only seen sex as this way for validation and conquering and this confidence boost. And it's it's like trying to get back to that intimacy of it can be so like fish out of water like there's no roadmap for that mm -hmm. you know no one teaches you how to get how to be vulnerable in that way i love that like what you're saying Noah. like the the hard work but not in the way that like the romanticizing kind of trying to get into trying to get into their pants but like the hard work almost like you have to earn this through the hard work of vulnerability and then it's really going to be 
the like the cherry on top of the Sunday kind of thing. But otherwise, it's 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 not going to be that. It's going to be a disappointment every time. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and that's pretty interesting too. Like because you know then we start getting into these character flaws again, where a lot of a lot of people started to master manipulation, right? And that becomes dangerous where we start to become targeting, I guess, right back to abusing sexuality in a way of manipulizing feelings, right? Put on this facade of like just just trying to get what you want. (laughs) Yeah, like John Travolta, you got, you know, you got the bell bottoms and the pucker collar and the dance moves are going to get it. And, you know, you're in and out and it's like, wow, that worked. And it becomes addictive, like Noah said. It's just then you go on a spree, which is you know unhealthy again, and and you still feel empty. It mm. doesn't. It doesn't fill that that lack. Mm-hmm. You know that word disconnection again yeah. comes to mind. Disconnected. Yeah, that's why I said I'm not an ideal candidate for healthy relationships because of my own character flaws and a lot of stuff that I'm speaking to is is part of my experience, right? And there's not a lot of people that will step up to the plate and take accountability for their actions or even speak to it because again toxic masculinity and and that whole unhealthy relationship between men becomes another isolation because i can't talk to david about this or i can't talk to noah or i can't talk to brent because it's going to hurt my pride mm-hmm. yeah 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 because yeah, that's a vulnerability even with each other yeah so or a common thing is, ah, you big pussy or, or something like of that nature, right? Yeah. And you're just kind of like, become Eeyore again. So, so let's, let's admit it here, like that I also am embodying patriarchy and, mas- and dominant masculinity. And I've been doing that probably for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I probably still do that in ways that I have no idea. And I'm trying to change as I know are you, Cody. Yeah. And so we, we come here with all of that shit and with good intentions and we're actually putting them forward they're not just intentions they're turning into actions even just speaking about these things here and putting ourselves out there for that all of this is a part of what it is to be in healthier relationship right? yeah for sure yeah not, not hiding these things it's so much more powerful to say like yeah i struggled with this and i'm trying to be better right mm-hmm. like i think to me that always resonates so much more than someone who's like, yeah, I was, I've only ever been in these healthy relationships and I'm this perfect saint. That person like, is a liar. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cause me too. I mean, I, you know, I really, that was such a big struggle of mine for so long and is still something that I'm trying to figure out of, you know, how to like really be intimate in that way and with people. And it's, it's this such a, and it's such a messy journey and nobody talks about it. You know, right. we all have that, that face up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, again, thanks for sharing that, Brent. And I really appreciate and acknowledge that. And yeah, you know, come from similar backgrounds and it's, it's a work in progress. Uh, I wish I really had a Harry Potter wand to, to make all these things <laughs> go quicker. But, you know, that's, that's the process of, of sitting down and, and being in my own discomforts and eating humble pie, right? So it's, it's a learning experience. Um, a lot of the stuff that I shared is is not set in stone. It's not a rule book. It's it's my experience. It's it's my journey, and I feel that by sharing the information that I've learned and seen, might help the next guy next to me. You know, that's or even sh- women or women, yeah. Whoever's struggling is an opportunity now to to share because bottling and and suppressing all these things 
it don't help. It, it, it just creates more division, obviously healthy relationships and all the things that we just, just discussed is um, division. And yeah. we, we can't afford any more division, you know? So that's me and my journey in a nutshell. And uh, glad I could share that. Well, I'm glad that all of you guys were here to, to share your perspectives and your, just add to this conversation because this is just the fact that this is happening. I just had this conversation at work because there's like some kind of uh, initiative coming out for, for women in our town. And I was like, that's interesting because um, we're working on this podcast for men's health and there's never really been any kind of campaigning in Gunawage. And I've been a prevention worker. I've been in education I've, for like 20 years now, and I've never seen a campaign for men's health. Not that this is a campaign, but this is opening up a door to something. Mm -hmm. We had like some feedback last week about how some of the topics we're talking about are triggering. And uh, it's going to be because it's the first time anyone's opening a door like this. And it's uh, it's uh, like, I think we're we're ready for this kind of stuff now, you know? Just honest, just talking people, different backgrounds, different experiences. But in the end, everything I've heard here is that there's a lot of shame. Nobody is 100% healthy, which means that we can't be uh, in healthy relationships until we work on a certain part of ourselves. But we don't have the tools to do that. So we need to have tools to learn. And the importance of like modeling this or something even to the children and to the people who are coming into this world now so how do we shift this from like this all this shame and all this of boundaries with vulnerability and this hardness and how do we shift from that so i i will leave this with you guys that if you have children or are planning to have children they don't need to see a perfect parent but they need to see the attempts of change yep and that, that, that's enough because right there, you trying to attempt instead of slamming the door in the middle of a fight and walking out, staying to talk about it is already showing your, these children the tools on how to repair. So like just this conversation now is, is already doing that. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you guys and commend you guys for coming in here. And for sharing with me and for catching me on all my <laughs> fun little slips of vocabulary there <laughs> and you know yeah thanks for the opportunity for for having myself and you know i'm a big advocate for men's mental health and men's mental health matters and you know if there's people out there struggling with that you know reach out you know that's the probably the best decision that you could make by reaching out where asking for help could be the most devastating and, and hard thing to do but it's beneficial to so many layers of unhealthy things, right? So thanks. Well, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to add the grass is greener on the other side. There's a second part to that. The grass is greener where you water it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things I just seen online. I don't own that. I don't copyright that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so thank you again for being here. And thanks to listeners for tuning in. And we will be back uh, next time with another episode. I believe the topic is, oh, I don't remember. But this series is just going to continue for a few more episodes. But thanks, everyone. Yeah, well.